Amen. Well, good morning, church. Great to see you. Uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and get it out. And uh, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 1 this morning. And uh, get your note sheet out. You can take some uh, notes and follow along with me there, or you can take notes on the app. I encourage you to do that. A couple quick announcements before we jump in. Uh, we have LVR Ranch coming up. If your student has not signed up, this is going to be an incredible week of summer camp. It's going to fill up, so make sure that you, uh, you get them early signed up, and we're going to have an incredible week at LVR Ranch, so make sure your students sign up for that. Secondly, this summer, uh, starting in about a week and a half, a little over a week, we are going to be offering our spiritual formation classes, okay? Uh, these are some great opportunities to grow in the Lord and get some teaching around some things maybe you had some interest in. All right, so we got a whole list of classes. This is uh, the Spiritual Formation book. You can pick one up on the way out, uh, or you can go online and get, get, the, uh, get the class information there. And then finally, ladies, uh, we have our, not we, you, um, you, anyway, uh, that was uncomfortable. So uh, April, this Saturday, breakfast for you ladies is going to be incredible. Uh, women in the Word. Every time we've done this, man, I've heard such great things from the women. So if you haven't come out, come on out. You're going to meet some new folks. You're going to grow in the, in the Lord and uh, really just want to encourage you to do that. All right, I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, Pastor Andrew Oates, I need you and your wife Holly to come on up here. And uh, I want to, the Bible says we are to give honor where honor is due. And uh, a lot of you guys don't know this, uh, uh, so I, I don't know how much I want to say. I'm going to get emotional, so I don't want to start crying. Um, pastoring is hard, okay? And I, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It is really, really hard. And I interviewed Pastor Andrew seven years ago, and he said, I think you need a friend to come alongside of you. And, uh, and I'm just going to tell you, um, the Bible says everybody gets a different amount of talent. Some get one, some get three, some get five. I got one. He's a five-talent guy. And you guys, I'm telling you, he is one of the most amazing people. He runs day-to-day -day operations here. You guys probably don't know this. Um, I think we have... 50 staff members, give or take, interns, part-time, full-time. He runs day-to-day -day operations. Uh, he keeps the unity of this church at a level you guys will never know. Uh, I couldn't do coastal ministry without him. Um, and so what you don't know is on top of running the church, day-to-day -day operations, uh, helping us expand campuses, raise five children, and keep his family together, he has been working on his Ph.D. from Regents. Uh, and so I was asking Will what you call him now, and Will said we now call him Dr. Dad. So uh, Dr. Oates, I presume, and uh, he has written a book that's going to be coming out once it's published. I hope to do it as a church. Incredible book on how Christ followed the will of his heavenly Father. Christ was a humble servant to the Father, and uh, Andrew is one of the most humble, humble men I know. And uh, you guys are blessed to have him as your executive pastor. And so I've already gone on too long, but Pastor Andrew, Dr. Oates, this is his doctoral sponsor. This is Dr. Andy Wood giving you a congratulatory video. So check this out. Hi, I'm Andy Wood. I'm an executive leadership coach, former pastor, and a professor at Regent University. And one of the privileges I have as a professor at Regent is that in addition to earning my own doctorate, I get to help make doctors. 
And it was in that context a few years ago that I had the privilege for the first time of meeting Andrew Oates. He was one of my students who came into my organizational theory class, but it was more than just a student relationship with Andrew. He and I quickly became friends. And I had the privilege of working with him over his doctoral studies and actually had the honor of being his dissertation chair. That means I've actually had to read all that stuff he wrote about the followership of Jesus and the difference that Jesus made first as follower and then as leader. And I'm here today to say to you as members of Coastal Church, what a blessing you have. I'm sure you already know this and having Andrew as one of your key leaders on your pastoral staff. But in addition to that, I want to say to you, Andrew, how proud I am of you for the accomplishment that you've made. You are in rarefied air, my friend. You are a doctor of philosophy, and I've had the privilege of having a front row seat to your growth and development in that process. I've also had the joy of working with you and working with some of the team at Coastal to see the fruit of your labor, both locally and around the world, as you continue to make a difference for Christ. And on this particular day, I celebrate you and I congratulate you on the hard work you've put in, but also the difference that you're making today and the difference you'll continue to make. I often say that PhD is Latin for we got more options. Well, my friend, you've got some options as a result of your hard work. And I know that God is going to continue to use you as you continue to serve him in the future, armed with this degree that gets to hang on your wall. But more than that, armed with the responsibility that comes with continuing to be a doctor in the days ahead. So congratulations, my friend. I celebrate with you. God bless. Now, hang on, Cliff. Um, hang on one second before I present these gifts. Um, it's a it's a two person team, Holly, and so I know that you have worked tirelessly while he's worked on the doctorate and the piece of paper. So thank you for your sacrifices. And um, and I want to tell you something. You're married to him, so you know. Uh, you guys don't know this. Andrew is a big vision guy, huge, like huge vision guy, and he will come to me often with these ridiculous ideas. I mean, really good ideas. And so, uh, listen, you're in this room today because this was his, he came to me like, we need to buy the Kroger building. And, um, and so one of the things I pray for you, Holly, is when he comes with an idea that I don't want to do, I'm like, please, t- Holly, tell him no. Please let t- Holly tell him no. So, uh, so I pray for you in that way. But um, uh, church, this is an amazing accomplishment. I don't know. So a lot of pastors get what's called a demon, which is a great doctor, but the PhD is like the real deal. It is really hard work. And uh, I've worked, he's worked tirelessly behind the scenes to get this done. So give him one more round of applause. I love you. So much. I love you so much, man. And so, a couple gifts. Um, this is some. Um, what you guys don't know is Pastor Andrew, Doctor Oates has. Um, he has discipled a ton of people behind the scenes. I mean, he is a. You want to learn how to make disciples. He makes disciples. And so we've tried to collect as many as we could uh, to congratulate you on this book. So you can read that later. And, uh, and then this is a frame to put your doctorate in. So I hope you like it. Oh, you can maybe return it if you don't like it. But uh, he actually, when do you get it? You get it in May. May? Well, yeah, I have it. Um, yeah. But they don't send it out until after. May, May, I think May 7th, you walk. So I love you too, Holly. God bless you. And uh, one more round of applause, Dr. Oates.
Congratulations. Children, you need to listen more, okay? He's a doctor now, so, you know, doctor dad. I love that, but uh, thank you, Andrew, and he'll be preaching here in a couple weeks. Actually, next week, uh, Colin, Pastor Colin is preaching, right? Are you next week? Uh, You guys have not heard Pastor Colin. You... You're in for a treat. I'm really building you up, man. You better bring it. So uh, he's our the director of family ministries now, pastor of his family ministries, and he's an incredible communicator, and you guys are going to be blessed. All right, let's do this. Let's jump in. I want to move quickly now. Uh, we're looking at the next three weeks at, at the risen Christ, and... Um, And so Revelation 1 is just uh, an incredible passage, and so to set it up a little bit, this is given to us by the Apostle John. The Apostle John, at this point in his life, has been banished to an island called Patmos. Now, uh, I want you to think cast away, but not as plush, okay? So the island of Patmos is like a rock in the sea where, um, where prisoners are sent to die in, a, in an excruciating way because there would be very little food, very difficult to get food, very difficult to get water. And uh, the Apostle John has been banished to the island of Patmos uh, because he's a follower of Jesus, okay? And to our knowledge, he's the apostle that lived the longest. And my suspicion, now the Bible doesn't tell me this, uh, I just want to use my glorified imagination for a minute. My suspicion is that the Apostle John uh, probably was discouraged at this point. And, you know, he's on the island, like it's obvious, right? So, uh, but he's discouraged, and he's planted churches. He maybe doesn't know how the churches are doing, uh, how the legacy of his ministry, if it's flourishing at all. And, and he gets a visitation and a vision of the resurrected Christ, Okay. And so that's where we're going to pick up in Revelation 1. So check this out. Revelation 1, verse 12. So he hears the voice of the Lord, and he says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face, if you can even imagine this church, was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. This is an awesome picture of the resurrected Christ. I think a lot of times when we get a picture in our minds of Christ, I think sometimes maybe we adopt in our mind's eye the, the Catholic crucifix of the skinny Jesus hanging on a cross. But uh, I just want to encourage us this morning, I mean, this, this Jesus that we just sang to, he, he is awesome. And so that's actually my first point this morning. I, I want us to just kind of meditate Think about for a moment that the risen Christ is indeed 
awesome. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about like awesome pizza or awesome ice cream, although those are awesome. Like I, I'm talking about seven wonders of the world awesome. I'm talking about Grand Canyon, Northern Lights, Birth of a Baby, Victoria Falls, seven wonders of the world awesome, but, but larger than that, more, more breathtaking and more humbling, and you know, it's like it's like if you've ever you know seen the Northern Lights, or you've seen the Grand Canyon, or you've seen that one of the big, huge falls of the world. It makes you in a moment just feel a little bit insignificant, right? Like, man, this is like b- bigger than me. That is Christ. Now, of course, the, the the scriptures tell us that Jesus calls us friend. He calls his disciples friends, but I think sometimes we, we think we can snuggle up to Jesus like he's one of our homies, you know, the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right, right? But, but like, he, he's way bigger than that. Like, he's awesome, like, terrifyingly awesome. He, he, he is, he's awesome in the sense that we, we become undone when we're in his presence. He's awesome in the sense that the Apostle John falls on the ground like a dead man and needs the encouraging words of Jesus to even kind of enter a conversation and enter into his presence. This same Jesus is the Jesus that we sang to this morning. There's a holy sense of of terror in his presence. And so as a church family, I, I just want to kind of challenge us when when we gather to praise him corporately as a body, like, like let's just not come in here into corporate worship like willy-nilly in our heart posture. Like, let's remind our hearts and our minds, like, the Jesus that we are about to sing praises to, the Jesus that we're about to hear from the word of the Lord that John describes like a sword coming out of his mouth is going to pierce between bone and marrow and prepare our hearts and minds and change us. Like, we need to come into his presence with a sense of humility and awe. Amen? And so he is an awesome God. And by all means, stop using his name as a curse word. Like there is a, there is a terrifying sense to Jesus. And yes, he's the resurrected Christ and he's awesome. But I mean, how humbling is it to think that this same Jesus that we see in Revelation 1 is, is the same Jesus that took on flesh, chose to, and and chose to, to, in some mysterious way for a season, lay aside his glory, Philippians 2, you know, so that he could walk here on earth and, 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 and die for us, take on the punishment of my sin and your sin and, and rise again from the grave to remind us that he's conquered death in the grave. And this same Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, is incredibly awesome, and he does invite us into his presence, and he does invite us into relationship, but we need to come into that relationship with a sense of humility and awe, amen? Secondly, this same Jesus, while he is terrifyingly awesome, this risen Jesus is also caring. He, he cares for you. Revelation 1.16, in his right hand, the scripture says, he, he held the seven stars. By the way, the seven stars and the seven golden lampstands is, is, is actually seven of the churches that these apostles had planted. So I want you to think about John, okay? 
John's on the island of Patmos, banished. He probably doesn't know what's going on with the churches and the legacy of his ministry. He probably is wondering, man, what is, what is God doing with the church, right? And so, in his right hand, he held the seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me. And what did he say? He said, fear not, for I'm the first and the last. All right, a couple things. The first thing I want you to see is is the risen Christ cares for his church. So John's on the island. Maybe he doesn't know what's going on. Maybe he's discouraged about the church. And, And in the hand of Christ are the seven churches. And I've got the church. Jesus Christ is is the the head of the church. Jesus Christ is fully in charge of his church. Jesus Christ is leading and guiding and protecting his church. I probably have this happen at least once a week. I will meet somebody and they'll, they'll refer to Coastal as my church. Like, hey, I go to your church, or I really like your church, or I don't like your church. And I sometimes will say this, not always, but sometimes I'll say, listen, it's not my church. Like, yes, I'm the senior pastor. I've been called to steward it for a season. Pastor Andrew, it's his job to help steward it for a season. But the church doesn't belong to us, and the church is going to go on long after I'm dead and gone. You're going to be kicking dirt on this grave, but the resurrected Christ has the church in his hand. And this should encourage you, as you give your time, talent, and treasure to a local church, that the God of the universe, the risen Christ, is using that time, talent, and treasure to forward the gospel of Jesus to the next generation generation and the next generation and the next generation to make disciples and the church will be successful because Christ has got the church. Isn't that great news? Secondly, and in similar vein, right, because uh, we, we did this all wrong when we taught our kids this. You old people remember this. Remember this in Sunday school? Here is the, here is the, open the, and there's all the people, right? That, please stop saying that. That is terrible theology, okay? So, here's the church building with its steeple. I mean, here's the building with its steeple. Open the door. Here's the church. All right, this is the church. Now, if you've never heard this, you're like, this is so weird right now. What are you doing with your fingers, okay? So, um, you're the church if you're a follower of Christ, all right, so there's church, I'm, I'm talking about church corporate, but I'm also talking about church individual. And I love this, this passage, like the risen Christ cares for his people. I mean, here's John, he sees Christ and he falls like a dead man, and, and the right hand of our Savior, he, he touches him in kindness, and he says, fear not. He, literally, it's the idea of stop fearing And you don't have to fear that this awesome, terrifyingly awesome risen Christ is for you. He cares for you. He in all of his power, he cares for his church. So now let's let's kind of bring these two together, right? So when I stand in front of us and I talk about maybe the things that the Lord is doing through coastal big, right? And and we're like, man, we're 
by God's grace, we're trying to build a, a building in Gloucester, and some of you all are making financial sacrifices for that to happen, and thank you, and we're praying about it. You know, there's a lot of steps. Like, like it's, it's comforting to me, and hopefully to you, that, that Christ is holding the church in His hand, Right? And listen, I've, been, we've, I've laid this in front of you a few weeks ago. Like, we're praying about Williamsburg. Like, Lord, it, we, you know, we could see a movement. We see that stirring in our church body. And lots of people come from Williamsburg. God, could we eventually go to Williamsburg? And we're praying about that. And it's comforting to me that, no, that, that churches that take seriously the great commissioning of Christ to plant churches and make disciples. And, and by the way, what do I call when we adopt a church? And we, you know, the language I'm starting to use is it's a gospel outpost, right? That we are planting gospel outposts. And the Lord is seeing that vision of fulfilling the Great Commission through. He's got the churches in his hand. So he cares for the church, but he also cares for the church, the people. He cares for you. For Peter 5, right? First Peter 5, like, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for for you. And so this risen, awesome Christ, he, he lays his hand on the apostle and he says, you can stop fearing. Why can he stop fearing? Because this awesome risen Christ is with you. And so we can bring into his presence our family and the challenges we're facing in our family, and he cares about that. And we can bring our job frustrations, and he cares about that. And we can, we, we can bring our financial situation, and he cares for that. And we can bring our health situations, and he cares for that. And, and we can cast all of our cares on, on this risen Christ because he cares for you. Listen, one of the things that we, we provide every single week, and I wish more of you would make use of it, uh, we have prayer team members every service at the end of the service under the screens and, and somebody in the chapel if you want some privacy on the way out because we want you to come here. Yes, we want you to worship the risen Christ, but we also know you've carried weighty burdens this week and we want to provide for you a spot where you can gather with someone and you can pray with them and together in community you're casting your cares on Christ because he cares for you. Isn't that great news? And so this risen awesome Christ you know, it, while he's separate and awesome and terrifying, the other thing is he's close and he cares and he cares for his church. Number three, the third thing I want you to see this morning, this risen Jesus Christ is God. He is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. Revelation one seventeen, John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, fear not or stop fearing because I am the first and the last. Now, I want to I pick up on this language this morning. It's very important language. What Jesus is claiming right here is, is to be God. Jesus didn't become God at his resurrection. Jesus has always been God. Jesus, when he set foot on the planet, he took on flesh. Jesus has always been God. And in fact, it was the idea that he is God that actually got him crucified. I don't know if you know that, right? People were really okay, the Jews especially, they were okay with the healing and the, you know, the, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on, like they were okay with the miracles. The problem was once he started to claim to be God, things got sideways, right? You see this in John 9, 10, and 11 especially. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man, and, and so the Pharisees begin to interrogate this blind man because Jesus did it on the Sabbath day, which was against the rules, right? How dare him? 
you know, heal a blind man on the Sabbath day. And so they start to investigate the blind man, and, and the blind man gets irritated because they keep asking him the same question over and over and over. And it's kind of funny, actually. By the time they ask him the second or third time, who healed you? He said, I've already told you, Jesus, do you guys want to follow him too? Like, it's like a, a dig, you know? Uh, he knew, already knew they didn't. And so, you know, they finally kind of the blind man finds Jesus and says, like, who are you? And he claims to be the Son of God, the Messiah, right? And then in John chapter 10, it's, this is still kind of building, and Jesus is now teaching about he's the good shepherd, and the sheep know him and hear his voice. And check this out. In John chapter 10, verse 25, we're going to read a couple of verses here. And really, there's some language here that I really think Pastor Andrew probably even leaned into for his PhD, is Jesus as a follower, as he follows the will of the Father. So check this out in John chapter 10. And Jesus answered them. He said, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now, check this out. Verse 30. Ready? Let's say this together. I and the Father are what, church? We're one. Okay? So up to this point, the Jews were a little skeptical of Jesus, but once he says this, verse 31 is critical to our understanding of the ministry of Jesus. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him, okay? Now, the Jews knew their Old Testament. They knew that Leviticus 24 said that if anyone claims to be God, they're committing blasphemy, and they deserve to be put to death. They're doing exactly what the Old Testament had taught them to do. Verse 31, so the Jews picked up stones to stone him, and Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? All right, so he makes the blind see, the lame walk, and the next chapter he raises Lazarus from the dead. You know, he's fed 5,000 with a couple loaves and a few fish. He's done all these incredible works. Hey, which one of these are you going to stone me? Now listen to their answer, very important. And the Jews answered him, it is not for the good work that we're going to stone you, but for what, church? That's why he got put to death, because the Jews said, you don't get to claim to be God, because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. Listen, the ministry of Jesus is ludicrous and crazy unless it's true, right? This kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. Unless it's true. The claims of Christ are crazy. Unless it's true. Jesus, from the very beginning of his ministry, he claimed to be God. And so here we find in Revelation, as he lays his right hand on John, he says, I am the first and the last. Now, what is he quoting? He's actually quoting Isaiah chapter 44. I want you to see this. It's very, very important. This is a prophecy from Isaiah talking about the coming Messiah, the one who's going to save Israel, save us from our sin. All right, Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, this is very important, and his Redeemer, right? So he's already, we got Old Testament hints at the doctrine of the Trinity here. And his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the what, church? First and last. So Jesus, the risen Christ, Revelation 1, is now taking this prophecy on himself. He says, that is me. I am the first and the last 
Beside me, there is no what? You see this? This is really great stuff. And so Jesus is laying claim to the Old Testament description of God. Make no mistake, this is what we're talking about this morning. This Savior, Jesus, is the second person of the Trinity. He is God. And so we can stop with the ridiculous lies floating about in our culture that Jesus was simply a good teacher or that Jesus was simply a prophet or that Jesus was simply a person of good moral character and he's worth emulating. And all of that, to be sure, has some truth in it. But to be clear, Jesus is the second person of this great biblical teaching that we call the Trinity. We believe that Jesus is God the creator, set foot on earth 2,000 years ago, wrapped himself in flesh. This indeed is radical, radical, life-changing stuff, amen, that Jesus, the creator, invaded our planet. He set foot on it. So he cares for you because he knows what it's like to walk the planet, He knows what it's like to have no place to lay his head. He knows what it's like to suffer alongside of us. But it's also not only that, but it's hope-giving and it's life-giving. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're here today and you're without joy and you're without purpose and you're without hope, to large degree, your heart has not been captured by Jesus, right? My heart will sing. Why, why do we sing that song? No other name. Why will we sing no other name? Because it is God in flesh that gives us eternal life, abundant life, hope, joy, life, and purpose because he's a God. In similar vein, number four, this risen Christ is eternal, okay? And so it's in, it encourages us as followers of Jesus to be eternally minded. Revelation 1.18, and he said, I'm the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive For how long? Forevermore. And I have the keys to death in Haiti. Jesus is reminding us to be eternally minded. And if I was to take us to maybe 1 John, right, where John the apostle writes to us about being careful to not be captivated by the things of the world, right? It's really, really easy to, to, to be so focused on the things of the world. It's so, so easy to, to you know, I remember years ago I was driving to a men's retreat and I was I'd driving by some homes on the water and I was supposed to teach at them. I did teach at the men's retreat and I was teaching on the world and as I'm driving, I'm driving by these homes on the water. It's like, man, I wish I could own one of them. And my heart got like all twisted and sideways and suddenly I like grew discouraged with my own house with running water and air conditioning and heat and utilities and cable TV and all the backyard and green ground, all of a sudden what I had wasn't good enough, right? What was happening? Man, I was being captivated by the things of the world, right? And no matter where you are in life, you know, there's always someone better off, right? Man, if only I had that, you know, and and it's being captivated by the things of the world and the things that are temporal. And, and Jesus reminds us, I am forevermore, and that, and that we, we need to have a mindset that is set on eternity as followers of Jesus, that we are literally laying up treasures in heaven as we use our time and our talent and our treasure to worship Jesus. And then Jesus says this, and so this is kind of the final thing for us this morning. It's really for all of us. It's a challenge, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you it's going to be weighty, okay? So, so I want to I prepare you, all right? Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I'm the living one. 
I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. The risen Christ calls us to consider our eternal destiny. I suspect most of you in this room, you're here this morning as worshipers of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I suspect most of you today are Christians. You believe in Jesus. You've received Jesus. You repented of your sin. You've received Jesus. You're here to worship Jesus. Now listen, I know that's probably where a high percentage of you are, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm so glad. I love worshiping the Lord alongside of you. Um, Listen, when we come to Christ... Sometimes, in coming to Christ, God, in His grace and mercy, like, changes some brokenness in our world here on the planet. Sometimes. Sometimes, when we come to Christ, God, in His grace, allows close relationships that were broken before we knew Jesus to be restored, and we humble ourselves, and we try to make peace, but also it's all with all that is possible with you. Keep peace with other men. Like so, you do that, and you, you like. There's relationships in your in your life that are restored. And sometimes here on the planet, maybe you have a health issue, and 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 you pray, and you seek medical attention, and God in His grace heals you. Like you you get physical healing, and God does that in His grace and mercy. And sometimes that happens, and and sometimes when we raise our kids in the Lord, like they they walk with Jesus all of their days, and it's just, it's like so awesome to, to see the parent, the fruit of your labor, and they walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes God blesses your finances, and you see the hand of the Lord blessing your finances, and, and, and you praise the Lord for that. And maybe you've given generously, and God still provides, and it's like, it's amazing to see the work of the Lord. But you know what? That's not promised in this life, because Sometimes people follow the Lord and, and it gets harder. In fact, there are many, many countries around the world that, that a person follows Jesus and, man, they suffer for the gospel. Like, that indeed happens. Last week we had a, a baptism at our Chesapeake campus. Um, had a young lady that became a Christian through the ministry down there and wanted to celebrate through baptism. And we pushed it to Easter Sunday in hopes that her family would come to hear her testimony, her unbelieving family. Some of them did, but not all of them did. I mean, if you can even imagine, like, it doesn't always get easier to follow the Lord. Sometimes we follow the Lord and He calls us to do something uncomfortable. It's not so easy. Sometimes we follow the Lord and, 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 and man, and, you know, the relationships around us sometimes get harder. We are to remind ourselves as Christians, man, this life is a vapor. It goes really fast. We have, a, we have 70 or 80 years to serve the Lord and to steward our talents and to steward our time, talent, and treasure for the cause of the gospel to go forward. And, 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 and we, and, but we need to live as Christians with a bigger picture that Jesus Christ says, I am alive forevermore. And we talked about this last week a little bit in 1 Corinthians 15 or two weeks ago that, that this risen Jesus sees and he rewards and his reward is forever and ever and ever. Church, let me encourage you as Christians to be eternally minded. Be eternally minded. God has amazing 
things in store for us. Sometimes the, life, the planet is awesome. Sometimes it's difficult, but this life here on earth is temporal, and our Savior has got eternal life for, the, who, for those who bow the knee, worship Him, and received Him as Savior. Isn't that great news? So I want to encourage you, be eternally minded, okay? But there's also a warning here. There's a warning here. This resurrected Christ has the keys to death and the grave, this, this resurrected Christ has keys to eternal punishment. Now, this is comforting when we receive Christ, but, but man, this is terrifying if we don't know Christ. In fact, the, the, the Bible uses the term, the day of the Lord, and oftentimes in that phrase, it'll say, the awesome and terrifying day of the Lord. The Bible says it's appointed once for man to die and after that judgment. And when we stand before the Lord, if you know the Lord, it's going to be awesome and we are promised eternal life. And if we don't know the Lord, we haven't received him as Savior. And it's, it's a terrifying place to be. And Jesus made it clear that we need to repent and know him. Now, if you don't yet know Christ, okay, Here's the message of the Scriptures that you really need to hear, and you need to tune me in for a minute. The Bible says that as people, we have sinned. We have rebelled against the character of God, and what we deserve in that rebellion is the wrath of God. But God is grace, grace, gracious and merciful and patient, and to make sure that we don't suffer the wrath of God that we deserve, He sent us our, His very best gift. He took His one and only Son, Jesus took on flesh. He left glory he laid aside, in some ways, all the blessing of deity, and he came here on the planet. He took on flesh, and he lived a perfect life. And so he didn't deserve the wrath and punishment of God, but he took it voluntarily. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. And he laid it down by going to the cross, and on the cross, he bore the wrath of sin, my sin, and the other believers in this room's sin. He bore it in our stead. And he died on the cross in a suffering manner, and then they laid him in a grave. And three days later, the grave couldn't hold him. He raised, rose victoriously bodily from the grave, authenticating his claims as the Messiah and reminding us that he now holds the keys over death, and those who believe in him will no longer die but have eternal life. Isn't that great news? Now, we will die in this body, but our souls will go to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. And so here's a couple things that Jesus has said. I want you to hear some of the claims of Christ. Ready? John chapter 14. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Exclusive claims of Christ. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus said this. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We looked at this one last week. John chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Church, I want to encourage you. If you're here today, you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Man, I want to encourage you. These are not just the words of a moral teacher or a prophet or a good man. These are the, te these are the teaching of God's one and only Son, these are the words of the earthly Jesus. And by the way, and here are the words of the glorified Jesus. Ready? In Revelation 1.18, he 
He said, I'm the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is set apart. If you, if you know him as Savior, if you've humbly bowed a knee in worship and repentance and receiving him, then guess what? Jesus is for you. Amen, church? But if you have rejected the gospel, I just want you to think about this for a minute. If you're, if you're here today, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and you're saying, Sean, this is ridiculous. Uh, uh, look, the Bible just says it's appointed once for a man to die, and after that judgment, and one day you're going to stand before the God of the universe, and you're going to see this awesome Jesus, and you're going to have to explain to the God of the universe why you stepped over his most awesome, gracious gift to you, his one and only son, and why you yawned your way through a church service and said, hey, God, that's great, but I just, I really don't care all that much. You're going to have to explain that to God Almighty. And to be sure, all the enemies of God will be fully and finally vanquished. And so maybe you're here and you're thinking, hey, Pastor Sean, you know what? You're, you're trying to scare me to be, into becoming a Christian. Can I just say, no, no, I'm not. And I know it's weighty in this room this morning. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to prepare you for your future, a sure and certain future. Is Christ your friend? Fear not. Or is Christ your foe? I have the keys to death and to Hades. It depends. It depends. Have you received Christ? Have you acknowledged, man, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, and I need saving? I want to invite the worship team out. I want to finish with this. I don't know, two or three weeks ago, we had a tornado warning in the area. How do you remember the tornado warning in the area, right? There was a tornado warning. Everywhere I went that afternoon, I'd run into someone, hey, you know, we're under a tornado. It was a, not a warning, it was a watch, sorry. I mean, let me get my term straight for you, weather aficionados, okay? So, it's a watch, a tornado watch. Everywhere I went that week, that, mor- that day, Hey, you know we're under a tornado watch. I mean, every, we're under a tornado watch. We're under a tornado watch. We're under a tornado watch. You know, 4 o'clock here is when the office closed. It was like a bell went off. Everyone went home. Like, oh, there's a tornado watch, you know. And, uh, and, and I'm kind of a minor league weather junkie, you know. I got my little app, you know, I'm checking the radar. And, uh, and I'm seeing where the line of thunderstorms are, and about the time they were hitting our area, if you're like me, you probably, some of you probably are, I turn on the TV, you know, and they have that, you know, we're watching this cell, and they do the little thing where it's this region, and it'll be here in this community. How many of y'all did that a couple weeks ago? Anyway, there's like four of us, okay? So, yeah, and, you know, and I'm with the kids. I'm like, we know what room we're going to, you know, and, uh, and, so, and, and so listen, if the four of us in this room... Uh, prepare for something awesome and temporary, okay? Um, and all kidding aside, like, you know, when we know there's a severe threat, we take that serious. And so if, if we prepare for something that's awesome and temporary and an earthly event, how much more should we be preparing for something that's eternal? Like, we, I, I just want to encourage you, like, prepare your soul for the day that you meet God Almighty face-to-face. And so we're, we're actually going to close this morning singing that Jesus forever reigns, 
forever. This Revelation 1 picture of Jesus in his terrifyingly awesome sun, a face as bright as the sun, holding people, the church in his hands, like this Jesus is eternal. And you can either worship the Jesus that has overcome death, and I go, man, I now have eternal life, or the Jesus that will assign us to a place of punishment forever and ever for rejecting the gospel of his son Christ. And so I want to encourage you today, man, if you haven't received Jesus, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. Like this, it is the most important decision you will ever, ever make is to know Christ as Savior. And so, man, we did this last week. I don't want to do it again this week. I think there's somebody in this room that's just contemplating the state and weight of their soul, and that's a good thing because you can know for sure that this resurrected Christ is not against you but for you. And the gospel message is is, it's so... It's so simple that a child can receive the gospel, and it's so complex we can get a PhD, you know, studying the scriptures and writing about it. This is the beauty of the gospel. And so here's what I want to do, all right? Let's bow our head and close our eyes, and if the Holy Spirit is working on you this morning, man, I'm so thankful for that. And uh, I just want to pray a prayer, and, and I want to guide you. There's nothing magic about the prayer. It's just an opportunity to do business with God Almighty this awesome, eternal Son of God. You can pray with me in your heart and mind. Say, Heavenly Father, today, man, I, um, I've been kind of um, trivial about the state of my soul. And I don't want to be trivial anymore. I, I want to be serious about it. And I, I just recognize I've, I've been doing things my own way. You call that sin, God, and, and I, I don't want to bear the consequence of my sin. You've been gracious. You've been merciful to me. You've sent me your gift of your son, Jesus, who lived for me, died for me, and rose again for me, that I can have both abundant and eternal life. And so today, God, I, I call myself what I am. I'm a sinner. As best as I can, by the strength of your spirit, God, I want to turn from my sin and I I want to receive Jesus as my Lord, as my boss, as my Savior. I receive him today into my heart and life. And I walk out of here knowing that I'm changed and my eternity is secure in him. That he is the risen Christ. He holds the keys, God. He lives forevermore. And because he lives forevermore, I now live in him and in his promises and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that with me, I would love to know that. Use that tear off. If you didn't already fill it out, drop it in the basket. One of our pastors will call you. If you'd like to talk to me, I sit right up here in the front. Pastor Andrew's right up here in the front. We would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. If you want more information, come see our prayer team. They're available. Uh, but never, never leave here without having prayer. If you need prayers, these folks are here. We would love to talk to you about how to follow Jesus. Hey, it's been a great morning of worship. We've been reminded about the eternality of Christ. And so let's go out reminding ourselves through song that he indeed reigns forevermore. Let's go out worshiping him through song this morning. Let's stand and sing.